0: How's it going hey hi how are you good how are you good are you ready to be here today yeah <laughs> okay yeah, i always feel I'm... like when i say hi to you i am catching you off guard no <laughs> i was just making sure i had everything up on my phone that's why. awesome I'm... hey everybody and welcome to our sunday table yeah hi welcome this is episode five episode five can you believe it no has know. it has it been fun it's been yeah it's, <laughs> no, been, it's been no it's yeah. been very fun we're really happy with again we say it kind of at the beginning of every episode that we're really happy with how people are responding to the show yeah and people are enjoying it and somebody's listening and someone's so, listening yeah we all know it's not our brother Right. He hasn't listened to a single episode of our Sunday Table, so. It's fine. We don't need him to. We, we have plenty of other fans. Yeah. Yeah. Screw you, Mikey. Yeah. He won't even hear this cuz no, he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen, so <laughs> whatever. I am very excited about our episode today. Yeah. We've got a really fun a very, topic. A very fun topic. This is our baseball episode. It is we're kind of in the very beginning of baseball season we are in Cincinnati Ohio and baseball is a really important pastime for us and opening day is kind of our national holiday the Reds aren't doing so hot right now are they ever doing hot no uh, <laughs> t- today <laughs> today you know by the time you hear this it'll be a week ago but they actually got into a bench clearing brawl with the Pittsburgh Pirates today so i saw some mlb instagram that i follow with like a a picture of the incident Mm-hmm. <laughs> the incident <laughs> and um it said like someone should hang with in the louvre and it was like i think it was like a suarez i mm-hmm. think he was like on the ground because it was yasiel puig who got into it mm-hmm. right he was like on the ground trying to like hold his leg <laughs> like, well i saw a picture of the actual like the full picture of like the feud and it's and because it, people have been saying it looks like it should be like a renaissance painting. yeah that's what it looks I like it needs to it. be like uh looks like it's painted whatever and <laughs> it was framed like it had a frame around it and it said uh El Ghetto Rojo so oh first we have something to report for everyone who are faithful listeners we got a house oh yeah we're not homeless yeah. we're not homeless we have a house it has a kitchen that we can cook in finally that the two of us can be in at, at one the time, same time so that is not the case here yeah and um, it has a dishwasher so that after we can do the, the, the dishes here. after yeah we after we cook for the show has a backyard for our pups mm-hmm. chester will no longer be peeing in the house well that we know of he won't he okay. good boy I believe you. <laughs> We were very excited. We, yeah, so when you hear this, we will be moving tomorrow. Yeah, true. On the 15th. Yeah. We'll be getting our keys that day. Yeah. The next so, day. So if anybody wants to help us move. If anybody has a truck. Truck or a van. We will probably or, need Or, you know, moving <laughs> a, company. Um, <laughs> anybody who wants to just do it for free. Right. Looking for sponsorships, looking for ads. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what's going on with us. Do you yeah. have anything else going on with you this week? Not really. Just been working a lot, been really tired this week, but, you know. Yeah. This show always reinvigorates me, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited about our food and I'm I've already like you might have heard me chomping already. Mm-hmm. Um it is so good. Today because of base, it's baseball week, we did helmet nachos. Helmet nachos. And I'm not sure if every stadium has helmet nachos. I feel I like think, some of them might. I feel like some of them might, but we definitely we happen. definitely do, and so I actually even put my helmet nachos that I made today in the Cincinnati Reds helmet that the helmet nachos come, come in. in, so we'll post that for you so you can see it. They're kind of, I forget how you order them at the ballpark, but they're kind of like the all-the-way style, because you can get them with the cheese, the ballpark and cheese get and them with the cheese jalapenos, and then, yeah. and then you can also get the meat on them and the salsa no napkins no napkins sorry if you use your pants my pants I guess um so this is tortilla chips I made um some ground beef like a taco meat almost kind of good yeah flavorful I made a homemade queso and then I just used um pickled jalapenos I used a jarred salsa because Ina garden says you don't have to make everything you can make some stuff and buy some stuff and some sour cream so it's this is like the ultimate like if you're gonna sit around on maybe like a sunday afternoon watch a baseball game invite a few friends over this is your appetizer Mm -hmm. it's literally it's a huge thing feeds a bunch of people it's delicious it was super quick too it took no time yeah so basically i wanted to Mm. how's that queso it's really good i don't i don't know although i don't know if i can taste the queso Right now, just because all the sour cream's on top, too. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Well, so this queso is super easy to make. It tastes exactly like the queso that you get at a Mexican restaurant, Mm -hmm. like the white queso. Um, I can't stop eating it. I know. It's really good. I'm going to get into it. So I learned how to make queso from one of our friends, who probably doesn't know that he taught me to make queso. Who? Our friend Mike D. Ange and I both used to work at Oakley Pub, and our friend Mike D works there still. And I remember they have a white queso on the menu. And I remember one day we had kind of just like introduced it. And I remember I was walking by the kitchen one day and I saw Mike standing there at a pot. And he was just peeling off pieces of white American cheese and just kind of tossing them in like a Frisbee. And, you know, then stir and then pull and toss. And I didn't watch him for long, just enough for him to do like two or three slices of cheese. But that moment stuck in my head, I always like thought of like him when I think of queso being made, I think of my friend kind of standing there. Yeah. A little like aimlessly, probably like totally zoning out, just kind of tossing slices of white American cheese yeah. into a pot. Yeah. I've seen that many, many times mm-hmm. there. So yeah, all the queso is is a cup of milk, a tablespoon of butter, bring that up to not quite a simmer. Just kind of warm it. Yeah. And then a half pound of white American cheese. I just got it at the deli counter. I don't think they. I'm not sure. Depending on where you shop, they. I know they don't have it at Kroger, like for sale in like cheese section. But um, yeah, just at the deli. And that's so easy. And you just kind of stand there and stir the. You know, slice by slice, stir the cheese and you toss it in like a frisbee. (laughs) And that's how we do it. A very intricate cooking method. Just toss it in. Yeah, I think they actually studied this technique at the Culinary Institute. And then I also did a ground beef and that was super easy. I did kind of like, it's like taco meat a little bit. It's not exactly the exact same. I put a little, there's a little tomato flavor in there. So it's kind of got a little bit of a sweetness. It almost reminds me of like, maybe like a little bit of a chili Mm -hmm. than like a... Just like regular old ground beef. Yeah. And I like that about it. So that is uh, just a pound of ground beef. Browned it. Drained it. I added to it salt, pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, paprika, cayenne pepper, cumin. And um, my secret ingredient is I did about a tablespoon and a half of ketchup. Mmm. And kind of mixed that in so it kind of got a little bit of the acid, a little bit of the sweetness. I did add a little bit, like half teaspoon of sugar in it also just to kind of mellow it out. I had put a little bit too much salt in it like, you and, sometimes. you know, like you do. And so it was just when I was tasting it, it was just a little too salty. And so I was like, all right, I can go two ways. I can kind of add more sweetness to kind of balance out the saltiness. But then I remembered this tip that I had seen and I forget where I saw it. I forget when. I forget, but it was this tip that if you make something too salty to add like a piece of potato in with it, because mm-hmm. the potato kind of will draw out some of the salt. I have never known that. I've never yeah. heard that. I've never seen that. When I don't, I saw the potato in the meat. I was like, what the hell? Is well, yeah. That Cause cat? it was a purple I potato. Like a, a purple <laughs> potato in like a disc. And I was like, what the, yeah. f- what is that? <laughs> For some reason I thought it was the chips because you use blue ch- corn tortilla oh, chips. Yeah. And I was like, no. What? Uh, yeah. And it's, I think it might be a little bit on the spicy side. I think it's a little on the spicy side, but I don't mind the spice. Now, Only if I had a bit not been an idiot and brought a cup of water in here instead of hot tea. <laughs> right. I mean, you can have a sip of my water I'm if you'd going like. i to. Thank you. But yeah, and it's, so it's really, really good. I, and yeah, I use blue corn tortilla chips, just kind of layered them in the helmet, uh, ground beef, the queso, the queso, They're good, the man. spiciness of the beef kind of is a little bit evened out by kind of the creaminess the creamy, of the queso, yeah. the sour cream. So yeah, I mean, do you have any more rem- Marks other than I just want to eat this, <laughs> no yeah, I mean the ground beef is flavorful, you can definitely taste all the spices. the queso is a nice compliment, it's got a little spice in there as well, other than that, I mean it's pretty much all, all around a good treat, like a really good fun different appetizer if you're just kind of like having some friends over and you don't know what to make mm-hmm. so like you don't have to put it in a helmet
1: <laughs> you don't have to, but it helps,
0: <laughs> but just like whipped up whip up a simple queso and this. Ground beef mixture and and throw throw it on some chips. All this stuff I had at home. Right. Except for the white American cheese, which I had to get at the store, but whatever. It's definitely very, very good and super easy, super quick, and it will feed a lot of people. Yeah. And you can double the recipe. You can triple the recipe. You can quadruple the recipe. You can get 15 helmets up in here and just, you know. just fill them up. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think there's a bug in my water. Oh, I just drank a lot of your water. There's a hair in it, too. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. Who cares? So I kind of feel a little embarrassed because I finally have, after the encouraging of my family members, finally started listening to WTF with Mark Marin mm-hmm. And um, I don't have Stitcher Premium yet because we don't have any sponsorship or ads yet. <laughs> I'm still kind of broke. But um, I was listening to what they have available on iTunes. And Anthony, he, they re-released Anthony Bourdain's episode after Anthony Bourdain passed away. Mm-hmm. And he made this point in there that I'm now, like, self-conscious of. And he's talking about, like, you know, if he's a snob about mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to it? hmm Was it recently? Do you remember it fairly well? I mean, yeah. So that, you know, Mark is talking to him about how, like, Anthony Bourdain is, like, maybe, like, kind of a snob when it comes to food. And he says that... Basically, there are people out there that are making bad food, making money off of making bad food. Yeah. And there are people out there, millions of people, who are just happily eating up really bad food. Mm-hmm. And he meant, in a way, like almost like your Guy Fieri's, like your Paula Deen's, like you're almost kind of like your like Pioneer Woman, kind of coming up with stuff that is doesn't really have any heart or soul behind it. And sometimes people are just opening up cans and jars and. Not really, like, putting a whole lot of care into what they make. Mm -hmm. And probably, I think, like, BuzzFeed Tasty and some of the, like, big, like, top-down cooking videos are kind of guilty of that type of thing. But so it kind of made me self-conscious. And I was like, oh, great. Well, because I knew what I was going to do early on in the week. And so I was like, oh, great. I'm listening to this. And Anthony Bourdain is definitely a snob. And he is one of my favorite people ever to have walked this earth. He's been a great inspiration to me um culinarily and otherwise and so I'm listening to this man talk about this man that I really admire talk about you know basically exactly what I'm going to be cooking (laughs) later in the week so yeah which I think that he is a snob when it comes to stuff like that and kind of calling out people who do stuff like that but I mean here's the thing we're not in a five-star Restaurant. We're not in a Michelin star restaurant. We're cooking at home. There's a time and place for certain stuff. And like when you're at home, when you're just kind of like chilling and you want to make something quick and easy, there's no need for like bougie-ness. Mm-hmm. And that's... I guess. But, I mean, unless you want to be. Unless you want to be. I think, and that's like your own I'm Sorry, choice. I'm still eating. I think kind of what he meant is that also it doesn't... Well, and he knows. And that's his whole thing that he does. It's not about bougie. It's not about technique and you know, it's not about it's just about food that has like a heart to it, food that's not like total like sellout because he goes to all these remote locations and all these foreign countries and eats things that most people wouldn't eat for the sake of hospitality at people's houses and kind of learning about people. And I think that I understand where he's coming from. And I don't think that snobbiness necessarily translates to bouginess or like being well, like let me ask thinking you you're better than somebody did you enjoy making this did you have fun making this Yes. Yeah. are you having fun eating it so much then i think that you cooked it with heart and that you i think as long as you enjoy what you're cooking and enjoy what you're eating it doesn't matter how you cook it yeah okay i feel better about as it as long as you have fun with it that's <coughs> what, like the here's, fork? here's the thing because cooking and stuff like that are i was not joking about the fork i know well i, <laughs> I was like i gotta find it <laughs> Cooking, cooking and stuff is, like, it's it's all subjective. Like, mm-hmm. you can have fun cooking something where, yeah, you open up a bunch of cans and make a soup or something like that. But, like, it's, it's just, like, as long as you're enjoying it, you don't have to, like, use the super out of, you know, like, super exotic ingredients or super crazy ingredients to ma- make mean that something is cooked well. Right. Or has validity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So... With that said, on that note, should we get into our stories? No, no, no. You have something else. You have another segment between the What's, food and the stories. Is it my the food? Hmm. <laughs> oh, the really that already? I thought we were gonna do that last. That's fine. No. Uh. Okay. We need to talk about this. We once. yeah. We need to figure out our format. Like if we're actually. Oh what we're doing okay so last week when we were trying to figure out what we were gonna do for this show um i kind of remembered something that i heard on the radio on opening day is that there are a bunch of ballparks around the united states Mm -hmm. that have super crazy ballpark food yeah like really nuts like and that's like a thing i think it's becoming a trend lately with food like ballparks because i don't remember it when i was a kid like no, I never remembered seeing anybody, like... Eating wild stuff. I Yeah, like, you could get nachos, but, like, nachos in a helmet that filled a whole helmet? <laughs> like, I think that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I was really excited about when I was a kid at the ballpark was helmet ice cream. Right, and that was just a little helmet. Yeah. I mean, do you think you could get ice cream in this now? I hope so because <laughs> i want to do that now uh-huh. so here I, I found an article on usa today and it was the 10 craziest ballpark foods in the major leagues okay i love it and i only picked out a few i didn't go through all 10 because some of them didn't seem as crazy to me is honestly. that um like current like as of this? yes season? of 2019 okay. yeah because i stumbled upon uh, the 2018 one and i was like no no <laughs> this has to be current. Um, okay, Nothing so, but integrity journalism here at our Sunday Table Podcast. I mean, that's like absolutely right. So some of the ones that stuck out to me were the, the Pittsburgh cone at PNC Park in Pittsburgh, which includes kielbasa, pierogies, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and Russian dressing in like a waffle cone. <clears throat> <laughs> so it's like a kielbasa sausage. Yeah. But instead of being in a bun with all the toppings on it. Well, it's, you don't put pierogies on a kielbasa. You're like, absolutely hot dog. right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> totally right. There's pierogies in there, and then it's all covered with Swiss cheese or caramel dressing. It seems kind of hard to eat. Uh, yeah, in an ice cream cone, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, is I'm it sure like it's a, like a savory cone. Is it like, like a waffle cone? Like a waffle cone or yeah. a cone made of like a no, waffle? I can pull up the article right now. Okay. It's it's. Uh, of straight up cone. No, I mean I believe you. I just when I you said waffle cone, I envisioned like a waffle, but it looks like a waffle cone. See? Well, that doesn't look so hard to eat. But I just, it just seems weird. <laughs> it I don't does know. Seem like I the just, second you crunch into the cone, um, the pieces will everything break will off fly and then out. Will yeah, out. and then you'll have just a pile of creamy <laughs> stuff in your pol- lap. A pile of Polish delights, just. Exactly. I, I mean, honestly, all together, the things sound great, but, like, a cone, I just don't think, is the greatest w- form of delivery. <laughs> it's not a yeah. great delivery system. Well, I mean, I think at the ballpark, things are kind of all, like, hands-free. Yeah, you know? that's have, true. Not hands-free. Eat the... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, something you can kind of eat, like, standing up. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're probably One right. One hand? Well, wait until I... <laughs> wait until I talk about this next thing. Kay. It is the... um. Going Yard. Okay. It is from um, the Los Angeles Dodgers in their stadium. They have it. Okay. It is a 16 and a half- inch jalapeno cheddar hot dog. Okay. Topped with grilled onions, roasted corn, avocado relish, and sour cream. Sign me up. I think that's I know. Sounds that delicious. sounds amazing. Look at the picture of it. That sounds it's rad. Looks, but it's also like a foot and a half long. Do you think you eat that with your friend, Lady in the Tramp style? <laughs> no, like but this is something end? that you would need to, to both hands for. I, that's may, true. I mean, maybe you do share it with someone. Maybe. But um, maybe you don't. <laughs> but they have to be a really good friend, or else you're going to need a knife. Yeah, that's um, true. Well, <laughs> link- else you're going to a knife. <laughs> we'll link to all these yeah, as well. Yeah, because I want you guys to see the pictures of them, because they're pretty, they're pretty interesting. So this next one is going to be um, the Frito Pie corn dog. Which I wanted to bring up and mention because we ate Frito Pies as kids. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, I guess, a Southwestern kind of thing. It comes with, um, it's a foot-long hot dog, or a foot-long corn dog, I guess, um, with a um, house, it's dipped in a house-made Frito batter. So I guess there's Fritos in the corn dog batter. Mm -hmm. And then it's topped with queso blanco and Texas chili. I would eat that. But it also, it's called a corn dog, but it, the picture <laughs> makes it look like it's in a bun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, Here, I don't know. Look it. But I definitely think oh, I'd like to try it. it's in a bun. It almost like a little, like, Mexican street corn. But, but, I, they mention a batter. Mm-hmm. So, they have to dip it in there and fry it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It looks Whatever. I, I think I'd eat it. It looks good. It looks like the least messy. Yeah, of the easiest that eat. we've tried, and so this is this next one is the one I actually heard on the radio that they mentioned. Is this is the one you, you mentioned to me yes. earlier? That yeah. I was so. <laughs> I started to ask Angie questions about it, and she's like, "Wait, wait, no, we'll talk about it on the podcast." Yeah. Like, okay. So this is called the Fowl Pole. Okay, F O W L Pole, and this is this is at the Texas Rangers Stadium. It is a two-pound chicken tender served on a bed of waffle fries. And you can kind of see it comes in its own little, like, carrying case. Like, <laughs> like it's <laughs> just straight up a box-o ah, tender. And every, and this whole thing is, like, <laughs> this quote is really funny. It says, The rangers should take a bow for their remarkable feat in the realm of food engineering. Well, that's true. I mean, because, okay, for one, like, a chicken tender is definitely a part of a chicken. Like, it's, like, not like a... It's got to be... I don't know. It's, it's like, how be do they kind get, of, uh... like a chicken tender is a chicken tenderloid. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> what it's kind of be... monster chickens are they getting two pound I... tenderloids off it's of? It's got to be some sort of like <laughs> pink slime. <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Ground but... up and mixed together. But, or just, yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Um, but it also wanted, it wanted to mention that it is also served with ample dipping sauce options like this well, looks you like get several this looks like like a oh my ranch, God. A, like, that's like it's a, a mason jar. jar a whole mason jar and then there's like two tiny little ramekins of what is that little chicken boy back there doing there's two of them that one's the umpire or Oh, the, the catcher <laughs> maybe that one's the pitcher it's just for pictures like you don't right. get that <laughs> i don't think <laughs> you, i don't think you get the chicken ceramic the chicken. figurines oh no so yeah that's some of the ones that i kind of saw that i wanted to mention there's definitely some other crazy ones on here. Those were the ones that really stuck out to me. I love it. I, I like think it that too. stadium food is always so interesting. I think it is. people talk about it a lot. And it definitely, I think there's like some cooking shows about it or cooking shows, quote unquote, you know, like, like a, cooking channel yeah. stuff. And I always just think at this point, it's got to be less about food, I think, and more about the like kind of seeing How, what they can get yeah, away with. Basically. But I did feel like aside from the cone, which, I again, I don't think is a terrible idea. Yeah. I think it might just be, like, weird to eat. But everything else that you kind of outlined, maybe the chicken tender, all seem pretty, like, good and portable and easy to eat and not too crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a lot of, like, local kind of, like, like they take their kind of local cuisine or whatever mm-hmm. and kind of make it into a stadium food. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> Do you remember the Sky Rosa that was, that's not a thing, but it got like memed. Sounds like Skyline and La Rosa's. Yeah. So Better Off Red is a blog about the Reds. Angie and I used to, we had like a semi-successful A, a semi-successful Reds blog. Reds blog back like what, like seven years ago? <laughs> yeah, at least. At least. And um, so we were kind of, you know, new, the like kind of local Reds bloggers and kind we of. We were like in the community. We, yeah. Like, we were like a little bit privy to uh, things that were going on. We knew things. But there was, like, a lot of people, like, a lot of the bloggers and stuff would kind of, like, live tweet the Reds games and always, like, be interacting with each other and replying to each other and stuff. And Better Off Red, written by Jamie Ramsey, does it still exist? I honestly don't know. That's bad of us. We should know. Anyway, we'll look it up. Don't, like, send us an email or anything yelling at us (laughs) that we don't know that it still exists or not. Anyway, um, he, like, was tweeting at somebody... And said that, I think they were talking about, you know, like ballpark options, ballpark food options. And he like said that there was a thing called a Sky Rosa and it was a Skyline <laughs> cheese coney wrapped in a slice of La Rosa's pizza. <laughs> and I think he, he just said it as a joke. And then like people started doing it for real, like. It was probably one of the first like Reds memes. It was like completely that sounds so gross. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> repulsive. Maybe that's how things like these, <laughs> like this, get started sometimes. I hate, I don't know. And I and I think like maybe so, like some national reporters or something kind of got a hold of it, and I think now Cincinnati has kind of has been at least in an article or something represented as like the home of the Sky Rosa, which is I remember reading it and being like this is not a thing. It's yeah. a joke. Like it's a meme. Settle down. <laughs> so anyway. Um well let's do you wanna, are you ready for our taste test? Yeah. Okay. Today I guess it's time for dessert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we've still got I'd say a good quarter of a helmet left. Quarter to a half. It's like a half of a helmet. The um but as there's they like do as they do um in real life when you get helmet nachos the chips are starting to get real soggy. So Anyway, today we have some cookies for our taste test. And I was at Kroger. I was looking for things to, I was like, I actually just felt in the mood for cookies. And so I was in the cookie aisle. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything kind of weird here in the cookie aisle that we can try on the podcast. And boy, did Kroger deliver. <laughs> and not just with the fact that they had it, but it's a Kroger brand product. It's Kroger yeah. brand products. So these are the Kroger brand Kaleidos, which are their version of Oreos. You okay over there? Yeah, it's got a strong scent. (laughs) So um, we have two of them and then I also got like a cookie just in case these were horrible that I thought was. This is also a new product, so Yeah, I know I knew it was a new product and that's why I got it. So we have the Kroger Kaleidos and we have the coconut lime flavor. And the raspberry cream with popping candy flavor. They're so strongly scented. The raspberry cream with popping candy, I saw it and I was like, that's podcast for sure. Of course. And then I also got, I just saw the uh, cinnamon chocolate flavored Milano's. Like I said, just because I wanted a... Yeah. I just wanted some cookies. Sorry. This is my podcast, and I can eat cookies if I want. You can't get into the damn Milano package, however. You never can. It's like they don't. Milano? Yeah, it's like they don't want you to. It's like they just want you to rip it, so you can't can't, put it together back. Yeah, yeah. so you have to eat the whole bag and then just buy more Milanos. I think it's a major corporate conspiracy. Yeah, it has to be. Tina, (laughs) literally. Just rip it. Just who cares? I can't even rip it right. I don't have any. here do you want me to try no now this is personal you just ripped it <laughs> you just had to rip it it's so annoying um already our cookies are open Ugh, all of them smell like dog food really <laughs> okay well we'll get to it so we've got our collidos, we've got coconut lime and raspberry cream and the coconut lime should we start with the coconut lime yeah okay also we should add before um we start eating these these are actually like the golden oreos. they mm-hmm. They're like vanilla cookie, so it's not chocolate. vanilla I mean, sandwich. Is cookie. there another cookie that this could be? I just assumed it was Oreo because they were next to the Oreos. That's what I thought too. I wonder if they're like um like a shortbread like a Girl Scout cookie kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know. These are just a whole whole new ball game. So you they want to start smell? with the coconut? Lime? They smell really good. Honestly, okay. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about the coconut flavor, but they smell mostly just. Limey. I think they smell like a Girl Scout cookie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a Girl Scout do. cookie that smells like this. Also, if my friend Ben Tremel is listening, I will come pick up my Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> you better at some you know, point. I want them. My friend, I bought um, Girl Scout cookies for my friend Ben's daughter, and. I think he's been sitting on them for about a month. He's probably eaten them by now. <laughs> he hasn't come to pick them up, but uh, we've been co- trying to coordinate a time to come so I can come pick them up, and it hasn't worked out. So. All right, let's eat this cookie. Okay. I kind of am just going to, so I don't you know, I want to like try the cream. I want to try the cream first, and then it's really sweet. Mmm. It's good. Mmm. <clears throat> I like it.
1: All right, <laughs> so that was
0: just us trying the cream. Now I'm eating the whole. Oh. The cookie, I think, is the coconut flavor. Mmm. What do you think? I think this is a really good cookie. <laughs> I'm super into it. I feel like I've had this cookie before. I. But it reminds me of a Girl Scout cookie. Like the lemon yeah. like, sandwich cookie. The lime, aside from it being green, I don't really get lime. I just kind of get like a artificial citrus. I don't think the cookie is coconut flavor. I think it does. No, I think it's just vanilla. I think it's coconut. Hmm. Or it has like coconut flakes in it or something. Well, I get the... Because to me, the coconut doesn't come till the very end of the... Really? Yeah. Because I get it. The whole... Really? Yeah. Weird. Mm. I like it. I love coconut. I wish it had a little bit more That's coconut. That's a good cookie. It's like a summery cookie. Mhm. Mm. I'm a fan. I'm definitely going to like... Eat these. Keep eating these. <laughs> All right. I'm these... doing it right now. We I want them. more... We have two more to try. I want more cream. Really, these ones—the the the coconut ones—look like they have more cream than the raspberry ones. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mhm. This smells like raspberry vodka. Oh god. Like, just smells like fake raspberry. Raspberry white claws. Kinda. Ooh, right. Mm -hmm. Mhm. Smells like raspberry, like booze. Yeah. Um, is the there's popping candy in it? I'm opening. In the cream um it, it looks... didn't open as well like an oreo no it didn't it looks like funfetti mm-hmm. i'm gonna try i'm gonna do what i did do you I'm think gonna... the candy's gonna pop well it's supposed to but it's already like moistened let's find out <gasps> it did! okay and i have to eat this as a whole cookie mm-hmm. i don't like it as much ah! <laughs> that's a weird it's a weird sensation i don't like the flavor of the cookie as much i don't know if that's just in my brain i don't like the flavor of the cream as much either I don't think it tastes like raspberry, but the popping candy does work. Yeah, I want more. Not as, like, intensely as Pop Rocks, but. Yeah, I want more of the popping candy. I want less cookie. I also think that when you're chewing the cookie. Takes away from the popping candy. The popping candy candy gets lost. Mm -hmm. This tastes like something that you'd have. I keep licking the cream out of the middle. Mm -hmm. This tastes like something that you'd have at a child's birthday party i don't think the flavor is as good as the the coconut lime. i agree but i think they're kind of fun to eat because the poppy candy. kind of i wouldn't say it makes up for it let me tell you something i don't think our dad would have bought these for us definitely not neither of our parents would have i'm just saying our dad because our dad was a little bit more of the cookie guy yeah do i think that parents should let their kids have these <laughs> probably not but i'm nervous for this banana. it was worth a try so, yeah, we've gone completely from like little kid cookies to dog food smelling cookies I <laughs> swear to Milano, like the distinctive food. Pepperidge Farm cookie. Andrew says they smell like dog food. I don't agree. I think they smell like cinnamon. I don't know. They're fine. I need them with a cup of coffee, hot chocolate, coffee. I like it. It's fine. It tastes like a Milano, it tastes I like mean, there's cinnamon in there. Milanos are great. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I love the addition of the cinnamon. Like they're good as they are, regular. I wonder if it would be any better if it had. Um... Oh, that was Tedder, <laughs> baby. Oh, whimper boy. Um, I wonder if it would be any better if it had the chocolate cookie instead of the plain cookie. Maybe I bet the cookie cinnamon flavored. I think that they could have done a lot better if they advertised this as, like, a Mexican hot chocolate cookie, a Mexican hot chocolate Milano, and then just, like, went full steam ahead with, like, the Mexican hot chocolate thing. Yeah. Because it's got the cinnamon and it's got the chocolate, which are the prominent flavors in, like, a Mexican hot chocolate. But if you could add, if you could do the chocolate cookie instead of, like, the vanilla cookie or the white cookie, whatever this is. And if you added, like, that little, like, little bit of, like, chili powder in there, I think it could work. TM, also at Milano's. (laughs) yeah i want paid for this if you end (laughs) if you end up doing a mexican hot chocolate cookie i want to be paid yeah it's good i think it would be really good with a cup of coffee or like a hot chocolate or something like a latte or cappuccino if you were having friends over for dinner and you didn't have a dessert yeah and everybody was kind of sitting in the living room drinking coffee i would put these on a tray sure would i sure would I think, uh, (laughs) I would not put the raspberry cream with popping candy Kaleidos (laughs) on a tray for my fancy dinner party. Are you sure? Uh. (laughs) I mean, no, we know that we would be like, yo, you've got to check out these (laughs) raspberry cream Kaleidos (laughs) with popping candy. Well, I also want to say that last week we did our Lay's uh, taste test Uh um, in the episode that we just released, and I kind of predicted right, we did end up eating the beer cheese ones. Yeah. But... We brought the electric lime and sea salt and the flame and Hot Dill Pickle chips over to a little friend gathering last week. Kind of just tried to pawn them off on everybody. <laughs> yeah. We were also just like, check out these kind of weird and gross flavors. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, this taste test is actually making us have pretty interesting things to bring to parties. To bring to parties, yeah. So. I'll tell you. I am going to be eating all of those coconut lime kaleidos, though, because they're pretty good. They're, yeah, they're really good. Um, and the Milanos, I think I'd like them better if I had a cup of coffee instead yeah. of a cup of tea. I think I yeah. could have, look, I'm going to eat the raspberry popping candy kaleidos. <laughs> I might just scrape all the cream out of them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, those? I'm going to post on Instagram, like, my little pile of, like, half-eaten cookies, the raspberry collidos has no cream left in it, Look. Like, <laughs> was <laughs> like no cream to speak of have you seen those videos though that they like will make like stuff with oreo cream filling mm-hmm. and like they'll add it to like a white chocolate or whatever yeah we could do that with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's the cake with it i don't know i don't know we don't have to do that um so maybe someday yeah who knows that was our uh tasting tasting Taste testing? Taste testing part of the podcast. We'll get better at these segues, I think. No, we won't. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're going to kind of now go into our... So it's baseball episode, baseball season. I'm really excited we did our baseball food. Our cookies, our taste testing things weren't exactly on brand, um, on theme, I think we kind of—they never are really. Yeah, and I think we kind of wanted them to for this episode, but um, I think we were originally—didn't we talk about doing some beers and like getting some like different beers? Um, yeah. But you know, life gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes, honestly, I would like it if we didn't do something that matched for the taste test. I think yeah. that's unless it unless we find something. I mean, if you that guys just so happens, yeah, if you guys find the non-on-theme taste test so jarring. <laughs> if you really are so taken if aback. you feel like you can't focus on the topic at hand also let us know for the taste test send us if you see stuff in the store
1: yeah hit us up on if you instagram see, yeah. or twitter
0: because if you see stuff at the store take a picture of it send it to us tell us where you'll we'll try it, it. We'll try it. Um we got a recommendation from a listener to try international colas from oh, like Jungle gym So, bad. so yeah. I think we should probably do that at some point. Yeah. Not too much Jungle gym stuff like we said in, like the first episode we don't, we don't live, live near, near one. one. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I mean at our new place is slightly closer to Jungle Gyms like, than where we are right now. Like literally 5 minutes closer. I mean, whatever. Still not close. Either yeah. way. Maybe the listener we I will tell you who the listener is. I mean, it's a member of our family um so maybe the listener will was it the listener who cl- lives close to the jungle gyms no oh. <laughs> well she might i don't know it was it was maria hi oh, maria yeah. hi maria <laughs> and um so maybe the listener that suggested this hmm. could get us some next time she international sees us. colas yeah anyway anyway yeah no that's a that's a good suggestion for sure we're always open to suggestions for really anything yeah Taste testing, topics, stuff in the store, topics, um, anything, if that you we... want our opinion on anything, if yeah. you see anything weird on Instagram that you want us to talk about, yes, we, I love it. We're we're here for all of it. Let us know. Yeah. So we have both taken some kind of famous, but maybe not completely well known. Famous. Baseball stories. But not maybe um, like dived into. Yeah. We wanted to, I mean, everybody kind of knows the classics, like, you know, the Chicago Black Sox, Babe Ruth's called Shot, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. We wanted to go a little bit more, not obscure, but. Because none of our topics are obscure, I don't think. No. And maybe they were more covered in their day, but I don't know if maybe we have kind of forgotten about them in t- with time. Yeah. Because they are things that all happened back in the... Not not really... Well, yours was more in the day. But mine was <laughs> in also, this century. I going think tell so. you what like, back in the day means. Because we did say we had a Reds blog back in back the day. Back in the day. <laughs> which was seven years ago. But my story took place like 40 years right. ago. So. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. I'll go first. Okay. So, I decided to tell everyone and inform everyone and remind everyone about what is referred to as the Steve Bartman incident. Does that name sound familiar to you, Tina? Steve Bartman? No. Um, In fact, this morning, I came to Angie's room while she was working on her notes and I was like, oh, what story are you going to do? She goes, I'm going to do the Steve Bartman incident. And I was like, what? (laughs) Some may know him as the Cubs fan. A lot of people I think know him as the Cubs fan, kind of. Steve Bartman is the guy who caught the foul ball during the 2003 NLCS and basically led the Cubs to lose the NLCS. Right. But it's a little more than that. Yeah, so let's let's start painting a picture, Tina. Okay, Cubs versus Marlins, Game Six, October Fourteenth, Two Thousand. This is the NLCS. Ah, so those who might not be really familiar with baseball, the, the National, National League, League Championship, Championship Series, Series, which means that you are going. At, basically, if you win this, you're going to the World Series. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You've done so well in regular season that. You've went on into the postseason, right? It's the step right before the, the World, World series. series, indeed. So Chicago was up in this this particular game was up 3-0. In the series, they were up three two. Okay, so they were going in the series, ready to like, and it's seven game series. A seven game series. So, so if they won this one, they would have. They were in the World. They series. were in the World Series. They were winning the game. Yeah. 3 seventh inning or eighth inning okay. or something like that it was late in the game i have goosebumps because i'm already like <laughs> i'm like Ugh. so this is what i what i wrote down um moises Alou, who is an outfielder for the cubs i believe it was uh, what left field maybe right field i can't i never know i always get confused old moises anyway a ball was hit it was about to be a foul ball and the outfielder was like definitely ready to like jump up on the wall catch it and like That was going to be an out. out. Secure the out, if you will. Which would have meant that this would have given the Cubs... They would have only been four outs away from winning the first National League pennant since 1945. Right. Because the Cubs, if you don't know, had not won a World Series in probably 100 years years at that point. Yeah. Uh, They have since, but... Right. So, yeah. So, this is, like... This is it. This is, like, he was going and he was, like, running, ready to catch the ball like he was ready. Mm -hmm. Bartman good old steve bartman poor steve he was so sad he was just so excited he wanted you to just, catch it he didn't know hey you know if you see a ball coming towards you and uh, you see a foul ball coming towards you you, you want to grab it. you want to grab it <laughs> you want it for if for I, no other reason than the fact that you just don't get beaned on fucking TV. sure absolutely and there was a quote from him that was like he said that his eyes were just glued to the ball and he didn't really know what was happening mm-hmm. on the field because it was literally coming directly towards him so anyway he went to go catch the ball i don't think he actually even caught it or you know i don't know who caught it or whatever it was he, he interfered he interfered and it was not an out the guy ended up probably i don't know getting a second base or whatever mm-hmm. so after the ball was caught or the ball was interfered with the cubs went on to lose the game eight to three so they so the, <laughs> the Marlins scored eight, eight runs, runs after this after four out like it was four outs left in the game right basically they but, were so rattled, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this guy, you know, they think they're going to get the out, and then they, so this right. guy grabs the ball. Because – So I assume that it would have been, like, this would have been the second out of the inning, and then they had had another inning to right. go. Right. So – or half inning to go, yeah. rather. Yeah. So, yeah, and so they lost 8-3 to this game, and then they were eliminated from the series, which was just heartbreaking. Wow. Yeah. All because of Steve – Yeah, so also, a little factoid, in 2003, there were no jumbotrons at Wrigley. So nobody knew what happened. Nobody knew where the guy was sitting. Nobody knew anything except for the people around him. Yeah. And even then, it's that people really didn't know what was going on. And so people didn't know until their people's friends and family were watching the game and they were calling them on their phones. Saying, did you see this fucker that just... this guy is sitting here like, this fucker, yeah, this asshole, blah, blah, blah. And he had they to said be- where he was sitting. Yeah. And so people started coming for him. Yeah. He had to be escorted out of the um, out of Wrigley because people were throwing trash at him. They were like like, trying to rough him up. Some guy poured a beer on him. Like, he Can was like... Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine being public enemy number one? Not just in an entire stadium of people, but Wrigley Field and Chicago, Wrigley Field, the entire city of Chicago, yeah. probably the entire state of Illinois, and the entire faction of Cubs fans everywhere. Yeah. So, not long after the game, some personal... Well, pers- some of his personal info was leaked on the internet. Uh-huh. And so, he had, had to have cops stationed outside of his house for security. Wow. Because, like, people were going to fucking fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like, tensions were high anyway. You right. know, this of was, course. A this lot was... of stuff was on the line. Exactly. This was 100 years in the making of maybe the, the Cubs getting to the World First Series. First time since 1945 That's what it said. They <throat> hadn't won a pennant since 1945. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand why people's, like, feeling, like, emotions were really high. But Indeed. But also, it's just a guy. How old was he, did they say? You know, I... Don't know. Honestly, he could have been maybe, like... He, he looked like he was maybe in his 30s or 40s okay. or something like but that. But you saw a video of it? I mean, I've seen, like... I've seen the videos of it. Yeah, I wasn't sure this if you was watched like it. This was just, like, a... No, I mean, I've seen it and whatever. Yeah. So, another thing I wanted to mention that you kind of mentioned to me this morning was mm-hmm. that they did a 30 for 30 documentary about him and, like, and all about everything that happened and what happened in, in Chicago and all that. And they right. were comparing it to... Um, Gosh, now I forget his name. Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner. Thank you. In the nineteen eighty six World Series, let the ball go right through his legs. Mm-hmm. Just kind of two guys who <laughs> fucked up for a the, whole city. The, and the Red a Sox, the Red Sox were the same play. way too at the time. Yeah, they were. They had not won in None. I don't know exactly how long, but a really long time, and so. They're kind of in the exact same... I wonder if, like, Bill Buckner ever, like, reached out to the guy. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. Because I feel like there's probably only, like, two people in the I, world who... he. You know what? I think it said that they mentioned something about him. Let me see if I can find it again. I'm going to have another one. Yeah, have, candy. Have yourself a cookie. I'm not even eating a cookie. I'm just having uh, the cream. Okay, I can't find it, but they definitely mentioned... They drew kind of, like, similarities between the two incidents. Kind of uh, sucks for both of them. Yeah. I mean... You know? Did eventually it just die down and... I think so. People forgot about it and they, uh, he moved on. So, like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I have next. Um, also, something that I wanted, after all this happened, the Illinois governor, whoever it was at the time, suggested that he join a witness protection program. <laughs> Honestly, like, let me tell you something. I... I'm not, like, a suicidal person. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm mentally <laughs> okay. healthy. Are you? <laughs> no. But I can't imagine, aside from, like, if you are extremely depressed, I can't imagine a situation that would make me want to kill myself more than being escorted out of Wrigley Field by security while getting trash thrown at me, while getting screamed at that for is, fucking I mean, up everything. I think that has got to be... So... That's a feeling that no one the in the guy, world knows except for that guy. Yeah. So, okay. So, and then also another thing, Jeb Bush, who was the, pre- the president of Florida, <laughs> who was the governor <laughs> of Florida at the time, he said that he could come in and live in Florida if he was having a hard time in chicago <laughs> in i Illinois. would consider it i mean you would have <laughs> you to were a, he honestly, was a hero down there yeah so this next one says obviously he was super embarrassed and whatever but he declined endorsements public appearances like people were wanted him he declined a uh, like six figure super bowl commercial all kinds of stuff people wanted him for stuff and i don't know what i don't know if it was like to make fun of him during it or what but well, um, i don't know for six figures you so, can make fun of me all you want so you the, the Marlin, marlin's Fans were sending him gifts and stuff like that because he was like a hero in Florida, right? But yeah, they were sending him gifts, and so he obviously declined the gifts; didn't want them, and wanted them. To wanted everyone to send them to the Juvenile Diabetes uh, Research Fund. And people started a GoFundMe for him to go to the 2016 World Series. Because everybody, I think, feels super bad about it. Yeah. Because, like, in what I was reading, like he, like, formally apologized. He, like, didn't... Yeah. He wants to, like, put it behind him and, like, everything. So in 2016, so, some people were trying to start a GoFundMe to send him to the World Series. But he didn't want it. He wanted the money to be sent to the Alzheimer's um, Association. And, like... He seems like a really He seems like such guy. a sweet guy. And so finally, in 2016, when the Cubs won, the owner, the Cubs owner, sent him a World Series ring in hopes that it provides some some closure for him. Oh, I have goosebumps. Look, that's so sweet. And I have a quote. I have a quote from him about this. He released a statement saying, Although I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, I am deeply moved and sincerely grateful to receive an official Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series Championship ring. I am fully aware of the historical significance and appreciate the symbolism the ring represents on multiple levels. My family and I will cherish it for generations. Most meaningful is the genuine outreach from the Ricketts family on behalf of the Cubs organization and fans, signifying to me that I am welcome back into the Cubs family and have their support going forward. I am relieved and hopeful that the saga of the 2003 foul ball incident surrounding my family and me is finally over wow Isn't so happy ending happy ending but like the poor guy i know if i think i were old enough to understand in 2003 that meant especially for the cubs and for this guy sorry i gotta get my, my notes are underneath the cookies i would have been a spiteful 10 year old as well yeah and i mean i think it's hard to especially when you're in that like kind of team mentality there's um. so much reds and cardinal shit it's not even funny. Well, yeah, I think Joey Votto said something about it. You know, reporters were asking him about like, oh, the Reds and Cardinals rivalry. And Joey Votto's like, to them, it's not a rivalry because we're not a threat because we're not winning. Right. So (laughs) it's like, damn, Joe. Well, here we have it. Yeah. uh, My turn. Go for it. All right. So mine is a little lighter hearted, although maybe it actually might end up being a little sadder (laughs) (laughs) because mine doesn't turn out great. I mean, it doesn't turn out terribly. I'm going to tell the story of a man named Doc Ellis today. Mm hmm. And Doc Ellis was born on March 11, 1945, which was the last time the Cubs won a pennant. Okay. Okay. He played in the major leagues from 1968 to 1979 and he played for the Pirates, the Yankees, the A's, the Rangers, and the Mets. Yeah. Doc was, at the time, he was the winningest pitcher of the Pittsburgh Pirates of all time. Wow. And he was pretty well known around Major League Baseball and kind of among the fans as being a really colorful personality. And he was kind of like a little bit of a, Bad boy. One of the things that he's. The thing that I'm going to tell the story is the thing he's most famous for, but. Um, another thing he was really famous for was he would wear hair curlers during warm-ups uh-huh. and his look was kind of featured in Ebony magazine. And then eventually the coach made a rule that he wasn't allowed to wear his hair curlers anymore during the warm-ups. Because, I mean, he wasn't wearing them during, at the game. It was just like, but it was like during batting practice, like when people could see him. But he was, he was known for kind of stirring shit up a little bit, but it was only because he wasn't cool with putting up with being slighted due to his race. He had a few different racially kind of motivated situations in his career Mm -hmm. he refused to play on his high school baseball team he was the best player they wanted him um, but he refused to play on his high school baseball team because the coach was a racist good he also at one point ran into the stands with a bat to beat up a heckler who was shouting racially charged insults at him um so he wasn't yeah like he wasn't but this is in like the late 60s like early 70s you know but he was, he was going for it. He That's was like, fuck you, dude. Good. Good. on him. <laughs> Another story of his is, and these are all things about him that just aren't, you know, these aren't my main stories, but they're just so you get a little sense of who Doc Ellis was. In 1972, uh, it was May of 1972, he was barred from entering through the player's gate at Cincinnati's Riverfront Stadium by a security guard. Um, the guard's name was David Hatter. And when he refused Ellis from getting into the stadium to go play mm-hmm. you know he was playing the play team. the game um, he he maced him he maced the security guard according to hatter the security guard ellis did not provide adequate id he threatened the guard and he also was carrying a half empty bottle of wine which um, <laughs> i guess hatter was not an optimist i guess <laughs> because to me a w- bottle of wine is always half full ellis had offered his world series ring as proof of identity but still denied and when he was brought to court a few months later The charges were dropped, saying that he and Hatter had settled their differences. But Hatter was fired. The Cincinnati Reds issued a formal apology. And as a result of that, the Pittsburgh uh, general manager started requiring all players to carry ID cards. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So the next story that I have to tell about Doc Ellis, this still isn't the main story. I just want to make sure everybody gets a feel for the kind of guy he was. Sure. And we have time. I wrote in my notes... If we're good on time, tell the 1974 Reds story. He's not a fan of the Reds. Things go bad for him at the Reds. Always. Yeah. I mean, he like basically got racially profiled <laughs> because he was just going to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to read this word for word from uh, Snopes.com. Okay. In 1974, feeling that his teammates had lost their aggressiveness and were too easily intimidated, Ellis decided to put on a show against the Cincinnati Reds, who had come from behind to defeat the Pirates for the 1972 National League pennant on a run-scoring wild pitch in the bottom of the ninth inning of the final playoff game. In a may first start against the Reds, having announced before the game that we're going to get down, we're going to do the do, I'm going to hit these motherfuckers. Ellis opened the contest by drilling leadoff hitter Pete Rose in the ribs, hitting the next batter Joe Morgan in the side, and then plunking Dan Dreesen in the back to load the bases. Although cleanup hitter Tony Perez managed to dodge Ellis' pitches long enough to draw a walk before being hit, Doc aimed his next two offerings at Cincinnati catcher Johnny Bench's head, whereupon he was unceremoniously yanked from the game by Pittsburgh manager Danny Murtaugh he was just wiling yeah just ready to ready to go crazy on some Cincinnati Reds players (laughs) I think like I said I think that if I got racially profiled just trying to go to work I would too (laughs) right (laughs) um so oh I don't have notes for that okay you yelled at me today for not having notes last week and now I came fully prepared with lots of notes yeah I would bad. just like to give you back your sass. Thank you. So. I, sometimes you know, this eat is karma. shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, oh, so I would like to uh, correct our information about the current the Reds brawl that just happened. That it was uh, a player Dietrich who got hit by a Pirates pitcher. Mm-hmm. that started the brawl and coach went out to yell at the umpire and, and was like WTF and um so everybody just kind of got on up there and then later it was Yasiel Puig who was like kind of getting into it I think someone said yeah. something about him or whatever and then Tucker Barnhart was the one who was trying to pull his leg away <laughs> hey man he like he like straight up like blowing him off of him it was crazy yeah. All anyway right. awesome thanks for sharing yeah Doc Ellis, if you've heard his name before, you probably have heard it in association with the time he pitched a no-hitter under the influence of LSD. So, can I tell you something? I think I learned this in a history class. Really? In, like, high school or something. Weird. I don't, that's cool. I don't... I can't remember if that's correct. Like you might have heard mm. it from, like, Dad. You know what? <laughs> Either it was Dad or it could have been in college, too. Yeah. Some of my sports classes. Okay, so it took place on June 12th in 1970. Mm-hmm. And this was the first no-hitter of the 1970 season. And he they were playing the Padres, mm-hmm. and it was a doubleheader in San Diego. So Ellis didn't actually come out and tell the details of this story until after he had retired. Um, I read somewhere that it said that he had taken LSD before every game. But I don't think that's true, because yeah. the way he tells the story, it made it seem like it was... Like, not an all-the-time thing. Right. So, I'm not sure if anybody has... I mean, I could probably go into it a little bit more and try and find out, but I don't feel like mm-hmm. it. So, if anybody knows whether or not this claim is true, that he actually took LSD before every game, but I don't think that's the case. Otherwise, this story wouldn't have been so well-known and it wouldn't right. have been so right. remarkable. Right, right, right. Doc Ellis was... Like I said, it was June, June 12th, 1970. And his story, his account of the start. And he was home in Los Angeles and, you know, pitchers have only start every five games. Yeah. So he was like, okay, it's my day off. So it was about noon and he took a hit of LSD. And like you do at noon <laughs> on your, on off, your day. off day. Hey, I'm not down- out there to judge anybody's off day activities. <laughs> Sounds a little bit more fun than taking naps and watching pe and watching pizza (laughs) see i have the worst (laughs) days off ever so yeah so he took the lsd around noon because he didn't remember what day it was it was he knew he was pitching on a friday it was a friday but he thought it was thursday classic mistake we've all been there (laughs) i've been there but then his girlfriend at 1 p.m his girlfriend was sitting there um reading the newspaper and was like uh babe Hey bud, <laughs> do you know that you're starting tonight? Uh, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, not only was he starting, but it was a doubleheader. Right. And so he swooped off to the airport. <laughs> he got to the airport at three thirty p.m. and caught a flight to San Diego because the it was the game was in San Diego. Yeah, he wasn't in Pittsburgh. And he arrived at four thirty and um, was scheduled to start at six oh five. Great. So he made it there. I mean, I guess just in time I for mean, batting yeah, practice. Just really? in time, maybe. A a little late to batting practice, but yes, enough time to warm up. So he started pitching, he couldn't feel the ball, he couldn't see the ball. <laughs> and he couldn't see the catcher um he actually had his catcher who was Jerry May wear reflective tape on his fingers yeah, so that he thing. could see the signs so he walked eight batters and struck out six and he hit i think three batters like he loaded the bases mm-hmm. at one point but still was able to strike yeah. to out to get people. out you know to at least yeah. you know avoid hits so this is his quote this is his retelling mm-hmm. of what was going on in his brain at the time. I can only remember bits and pieces of the game. I was psyched. I had a feeling of euphoria. I was zeroed in on the the catcher's glove, but I didn't hit the glove too much. I remember hitting a couple of batters and the bases were loaded two or three times. The ball was small sometimes. The ball was large sometimes. Sometimes I saw the catcher. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I tried to stare the hitter down and throw while I was looking at him. I chewed my gum until it turned into powder. I started having this crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire, and once I thought I was pitching a baseball to Jimi Hendrix, who, to me, was holding a guitar and swinging it over the plate. I say I had about three to four fielding chances. I remember diving out of a a ball I thought was a line drive. I jumped, but the ball wasn't hit hard and never reached me. (laughs) So, and I mean, he had a really, really good career otherwise. Yeah. That's kind of the, you know, beginning and end of the story. Right. He said that he regrets it deeply because he basically has this kind of like tainted memory of what should have been one of his like greatest yeah. life accomplishments. Yeah, sure. And he didn't share the story for 14 years after it happened. And he was in a uh, documentary called No-No, a doc That's ah. his name's Doc. But... Anyway, yeah, I mean, he had a really great career, long, really, he was a really good player, but it's also always kind of been overshadowed by this story. Sure. Ultimately, he was really open about his substance abuse problems. He was really open about, he was one of many people who used drugs while, Mm -hmm. um, you know, playing in the Major League Baseball. So after he finished playing, he got sober and started a career as a counselor for drug addicts and uh, focused on helping prisoners get sober. Wow, he died in 2008 of cirrhosis of the liver. Mm. Um, really? But yeah, wow. um, so that's the story of Doc Ellis. And How old was he when, he, <clears throat> when died? he died? I think he was about sixty. It's mean, probably a good age, right? He was sixty-three. Mm. Yeah, still kind of young. A professional so, yeah. athlete. There's a few kind of sports writers out there and documentarians and people who think that it's all made up, that it's not true. But I don't know why it wouldn't Way be. It I would mean, be I feel up. like if you threw a if you threw a no hitter and you were hitting a bunch of batters and you were loading the bases and still managed to, like, Although, not give up a hit. Sure, That did seem like his thing, though. Like, he did it to the Reds players, and he... <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I was just thinking, like, if he wasn't on LSD when he did all that <laughs> terrible shit, I mean, if he was as good as a, of a pitcher as they said he was... Um, right. Although, also, why would he, like, jump out of the way from a li- line drive? Right. <laughs> I don't know. If, it, so if, if he wasn't on LSD, you know, like, got scared or whatever of a line drive being, like, what? <laughs> a few feet away? From right. It. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that's so true. But this story made me think about... I know there's other stories out there that are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And kind of about athletes using drugs and alcohol during the game or when they're playing. Yeah. And I think that's so fascinating to me because... I've been hungover before and I can't imagine doing anything to the physical level of athleticism. I just, to me, I think of someone, maybe baseball players are not exactly the perfect example, but when I think of, you know, professional athletes, I think of like really taking care of your body and being good to your body and making sure that you kind of are taking care of yourself so that you can be in the best shape you can be so that you can be the best athlete you can be. And so... I don't really understand how sports players can get away with doing drugs and like drinking like all the time like while they're playing like not while they're but you know what I mean like during their careers. I, I understand where you're coming from as well but also like when you are hungover or if you've been drinking or whatever the minute you start sweating you start running and you start doing whatever like you just sweat everything out and you You will feel better And feel ready to like That's true But I mean Every day Like how Like I don't know So I've got a couple Like kind of Little smaller stories Just of um, These are basically Kind of all alcohol stories I just thought They were interesting And like I said It's fascinating to me Because I know At at what level I am When I'm on over And so thinking of Baseball players Or athletes in general Who do a lot of drugs And drink a lot Like how they can Actually still like Keep their bodies Like in good shape To be To at least Keep earning the money they are forced to work out and go to practices. We are not forced to go work out when we're hungover. Yeah, I know, but it's just well. Let me tell. So I've got a couple. They stories. have to make the, in order um, to make the money. They have to go to the workout. And it, this isn't even really a story as much, but um CC Sabathia of the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. He started with the Indians. He was one of the youngest players to be to be on the Indians roster of all time, I believe. And he basically had this pretty much crippling alcohol addiction throughout his entire career um, because he was really shy and he was really um, kind of introverted and Mm -hmm. he was using he wasn't old enough to drink when he started playing major league baseball And um, he kind of was just using alcohol as his excuse and his reasoning and his way to be more confident in a room and Mm -hmm. kind of be more like a little bit more life of the party. And he said that he kind of went from, you know, like team dinners and like, you know, going out with a team to like, he didn't even want to be out in public anymore. He just was like, would go into his hotel room, be by himself and just clearing out the mini bar the whole time. Um, Anytime they were Traveling. Eventually, he kind of realized, and he said he never really wanted to quit drinking. He never, like, it wasn't something he wanted to do. It wasn't really anything he thought he had a problem with until he really started thinking about it. He basically decided it was right at the beginning of the playoffs that he was going to go to rehab. And so it was in October that he decided to go to rehab, and he went into Joe Girardi's office and told him that, hey, man, I've got a drinking problem. I'm going to, I got to go to rehab. And... You know, they were about to go to the playoffs, and he just had to say, like, I can't be a part of it. And they said that they were with him 100%. And now he has – I mean, he's retired now. He's in recovery and getting there. And, I mean, um, you know, through, he's been a very successful pitcher. Yeah, and so it's, like, kind of crazy to me that he can have – you can have the kind of career that CC Sabathia did and still – and just be drinking all the time. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's took us into a little bit of a bummer, bummer corner. corner. Hashtag but, bummer corner. But I've got – A couple little short stories that are probably also bummers. They're old timey, so we can laugh about them. Sure. Um, I've got this one that is about Babe Ruth, who was pretty well known for being a partier and being a, you know, kind of hard drinking, hard partying kind of guy. Which I also think that back in, like, you know, when Babe Ruth was playing, when Mickey Mantle was playing, like, you could probably get away with a lot more than you could now. And I it's funny cuz I'm not even when I'm thinking about drugs and alcohol like in baseball, I'm not even thinking about PEDs yeah. or anything like or steroids or anything. I'm just I'm purely thinking like in terms of like recreationally like partying. Babe Ruth had a story from 1931. Okay. And he was in Chicago and they were going to play the White Sox. Okay. And the White Sox hatched a plan. Oh. <laughs> that they were going to take Babe Ruth out. They were going to get him fucked up and make him be so hungover that he couldn't play the next day okay. because that to them was their only hope of sure. like, you know, being able to beat. I feel like that's like a classic like baseball yeah. scheme. Be- yeah. Being able to beat the Yankees. And, <laughs> or like, any like athlete scheme. Right. Yeah. So I think that's like, uh, wasn't that, we just watched Boulder Room today. Isn't that a whole bit in Boulder Room where they all go out and they're all real hungover and so they go onto the yeah. field and yeah. get the sprinklers to kick on so it floods the field so that they have the day off the next so, day. A similar story in my life was that when I was working for the baseball team I worked for in college, we all went out and got drunk and got, you know, partied, and one of the guys on the team was really hungover that day, but ended up hitting two home runs yeah. in the game. Well, <laughs> so they took Babe Ruth out and basically took him to, like, one of their, like, you know, regular spots, told the bartender, like, hey, you know. Anything he wants, it's yeah. on us. and he uh they said that he drank everything he drank everything there's a whole there's a documentary about it and they said that he had a throat like a trombone Ew. <laughs> so that he could just drink everything <laughs> the next day he came in three minutes before the game ready ready to go <laughs> ready to roll the manager miller huggins said look at him he ain't even been in bed all night that guy's gonna play So he played and destroyed the White Sox. Absolutely. I don't have numbers of what the game was. And then when the game is over, Babe Ruth runs up to the White Sox, like runs up to the steps before, like while they're all walking out Mm -hmm. to catch him and says, hey guys, where are we going tonight? Oh my God. So I think that's hilarious. That is great. Um, another story, kind of another little classic baseball scheme. This is the story of Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle was extremely hungover before a game, and he <laughs> cooked up a little scheme where at his first at-bat, a good scheme. at his first at-bat, he was going to start drawing at the umpire to try and get himself ejected so uh. that he could <laughs> rest. Um, Yogi Berra found out about this uh-huh. and was pissed because Mickey Mantle was disrespecting the game of sure. baseball. And so he went to the umpire before the game and was told, "Hey, um, here's the plan. This is what Mickey's going to try and do. So like, under whatever no you do. circumstances, do not eject Mickey Mantle." And so, yeah, Mickey went went up to the ump and was cussing at him you know calling him calling him a cocksucker uh, yeah um he wouldn't throw him out and mickey played the whole game oh my god so that's amazing yeah that's hilarious that's I the love level that. of petty that i can yeah. be <laughs> i aspire to be yogi Berra petty <sighs> great but yeah so i fun stories i love baseball i know me too it's a great game i think we'll probably do another baseball episode in the future i think there's a lot of little Fun kind of idiosyncratic stories that go, that have been going on for years in baseball that, um, and you know, I haven't even touched on all of the drug addicts in baseball. I I mean, mean, Josh Hamilton. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So Dontrell Willis. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, we might even, yeah, I think we've got another baseball episode in store. I think we have to make the 16 inch hot dog. Oh my God. And eat it lady in the tramp style or get a knife. (laughs) I would say maybe it's about 16 inches between the two of us right now. Yeah, probably, probably a little more, but nah, I'd say, I mean, I can scoot closer. I don't want you to. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that is kind of, I think that's time, right? I mean, I yeah. Good. Do you have anything else you want to um, Not really. Oh, I up? do have something. Yeah. Um, by the time you hear this, this was actually kind of a little bit of a goal that we had set for ourselves, that we were going to start a Patreon yes um and for those of you that don't know i think we kind of covered it a little bit in the last episode but um you probably tuned out of that episode um we will admit it was not our best episode well and it wasn't even necessarily not our best episode but um we just had some problems with the editing and it takes so long to edit these and so long to actually like kind of put in the work of making them seem really well produced and seem really well put together that um It was, we had major technical difficulties, all sorts of issues. And ultimately we ended up posting. Tina had, Tina cried. I cried. Yeah. We ended up posting the episode with. Very uncut. Very uncut. Yeah. I think I cut out a bathroom break. I like cut out a few like hesitations, but for the most part, all the things that I edit for were pretty much left in. So I feel bad about it. I don't want people to waste their time listening to us. And, but I just, I truly don't, didn't have the time. Yeah. We have to figure out what is wrong with the editing software because we can't keep doing that. We can't keep editing and then losing the edit and then having Um, to go back again. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something I'm doing. I don't know if it's something wrong with my computer or something wrong with our program, but that will will be the last time we post something that's as unfinished as that. Um, that is a promise. So, but anyway, that said, we know our last episode sucked, but, um, will you give us money? <laughs> <laughs> so we signed up introducing for, our Patreon. Yeah, we have uh, launched our Patreon page and Patreon is this really cool service where it allows uh fans of people's art and people's projects and things to be able to sponsor them monthly. Our page has three tiers and um you have a $5 tier, a $15 tier and a $25 tier. Anything that you would pledge to us that would all go directly back into the podcast. It would go to or the food, like buying grocery the grocery bill. The, yeah, or... the grocery bill. It would go to um paying for our podcast hosting platform. It would go to, you know, equipments, merch, stuff like that. So um it would all go trust to me, we're we're producing not producing a better show. Yeah, we're not getting our nails done with nah. this money. There's also a lot of things that, you know, each tier has a little bit more stuff that you get. It will start with us kind of having an exclusive members only access uh YouTube channel. Mm-hmm that will have exclusive content we're going to start making actual videos of us cooking the food while we're you know yeah, as yep. like the food that we're making for that week in um, our new kitchen yeah uh so you can we'll have that that you can watch if you're a patron and then we're going to do mini Mm-hmm. um and we also i think we said we were going to do extra recipes yeah and just some extra content that we yeah. think is going to be funny and that you guys that we think you guys will enjoy yeah um, and then the next two tiers involve merch. So if you want exclusive content Aww, yeah. and some merch, we've got some, we've kind of been looking into um, getting different merch made and kind of looking into the kind of costs associated with that. So if you are a 15 or $25 patron, then you can see some cool merch coming your way. For sure. And I mean, we've got a lot of ideas and we're trying to kind of figure out how we're going to grow. And, um, you know, as long as people keep listening, we'll keep making it. So yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know if I have anything else. I don't think I do. But just wish us luck by the time when you hear this, we will be moving tomorrow. Yeah. And so this is our, this is the second to last episode in, in this house, our current studio. Yeah. Yeah. We won't have a room where we can shut the dogs out of. Well, maybe if we bring it down to the basement. Maybe. Yeah. But. That's that's for us to worry about, Angie and Tina's. Right, that's not for project. you guys. Problem, problem. Um, all right. Well, do you want to sign us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yep. At our Sunday Table okay. podcast, we are on Patreon, and you can just look for our Sunday Table. We'll share that. We'll link to that. Um, you can find us on our website at OurSundayTablePodcast.com. We promise we are kind of working on trying to improve the website a little bit, get better pictures for our recipes, and um, just make kind of everything a little bit more timely on there. But this is a lot of work. It's harder than I thought. It so, is, yeah. Um, so you can find us there on our website. We are on iTunes. iTunes. Have we... We weren't on iTunes last week. No. When this... The last episode we that right. heard, we weren't on iTunes, but we're on iTunes we're now. On iTunes, um, it only took four baby. episodes for us to be on iTunes. Um, so, iTunes, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If there are other Google or if there are other podcast platforms that you want us to be on that we're not on, let us know, and we will we try will submit and get on them. to wherever. Yeah, we'll just get um, our get our voices heard. Listen to us. <laughs> Alright, so I, think, I that's, think that's it. That's it for All everybody. Right. See, Thanks for joining us yeah. at our Sunday table. Uh have a great have rest a of the good your week. week and bye. Bye. bye.